well, it's always a special treat uh, when Eric Smith comes back uh, to join the pod. I believe Eric, uh, this is episode number three, may- maybe four for you. Actually, I can't. Uh, it's three or it's four. It's at least sure. yeah. It's at least three. It might be four. I don't think you've had anybody more than twice. So this is you know this is an honor. You know yeah, this is absolutely. We're not. You're yeah. you're correct on that. Most people have declined the third invite, so it's nice right. for you to be the first to accept it. That's great. Uh, well, listen, welcome back. Great having you. Uh, and let's right off the top here, let's have a uh, quick congratulations on, uh, I mean, it's over a thousand now, but that's a pretty big milestone you achieved this year. A thousand raps games. Yeah. It, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you. And it's, uh, it, listen, it's, it's very nice. I, I, I wish I was still working though. So I wish we were talking about a thousand and two or five or something. So I wish the Raptors were still in the postseason and we were still counting and counting the games and ticking off more but it's uh it's been a it's been a long run and as i know you know as a as a fan and as a follower and now a a, a podcaster as well yeah. um you know there have been a lot of good years there have been a lot of great years and there have been a lot of grinded out years as well and this was this was a year kind of unlike a lot of those because i think there were high expectations going into the season and just when you thought that it was kind of going off the rails, it seemed to be back on track. And just when it was back on track, it seemed to go sideways again. And then just as it was going sideways, it seemed like maybe we were kind of getting back to some semblance of consistency. So I think finishing 41 and 41 was poetic in a sense, based on how the year went. And I think even the last game unfolding as it did was as poetic because it was kind of um, symbolic of how the season went overall for the Raptors so many times. Wow, listen, you dove, listen, you dove right in. That was a nice little opening. I was, in, I was going to talk a little bit more about the uh, the thousand games. Well, let's do it. Let's talk about me then, right? Yeah, let's talk about you for just two seconds. Jeez, holy smokes! Um, no, but I, one of the things I did want to ask you is like, so a thousand games, a big milestone. Did you envision this? Like, is this something you saw yourself when you first started? Did you think, oh my god, I'll be twenty years, a thousand games in, whatever, uh, whatever that uh, equates to? Like, did you see it happening, unfolding this way? No, I, I mean, listen, I really didn't, and and. I'd be naive and, and, and arrogant to probably say, oh, yeah, of course I saw this. No, like, honestly, coming out of college, I mean, it would take the entire podcast to tell my whole story. But in the extreme Coles Notes or Cliff Notes version, depending on which, you know, area of the globe you live in, Coles Notes or Cliff Notes. Like, I, I was a guy. Reads. I don't think anyone who follows the pod reads, so don't worry about it. Yeah, probably not. Um, you know, I came out of college, uh, well, was still in college when I started as an intern at the Fan 590, you know, then known as the Fan 590, started as an intern, and then very quickly went from intern to part-time to full-time, all in less than a year. And I'd like to say it was all based on skill and, you know, the the talent that I must have had coming out of college. And I hope there's at least a little little, little sliver of truth in that. But I think it was also right place, right time, Dave, because when I'm graduating, the Raptors are in year two of their existence. I'm at a time in, in, in the sports landscape in Canada, in Toronto specifically, where there's a new team that not a lot of people believe in. Like the Raptors aren't going to last. The NBA is not going to last. This is a fringe sport, a fringe team. This is a hockey town. This is a Leaf town. This is a Blue Jay town. Basketball doesn't matter. Not a lot of people talking basketball. But then on top of all that going on, there's also a new sports network that's starting. The Score. Well, it was then Headline Sports, which became The Score. So all of these things are happening at once. And the reason I bring up Headline Sports starting, well, they needed producers and engineers, let alone reporters and anchors and producers and directors and everybody else. So they start taking from TSN and from Sportsnet and from other networks, including the radio station, the only at the time sports radio station, the Fan 590. Suddenly now all of these networks lose bodies to headline sports 
And now these various networks and entities need to fill spaces and gaps and roles and jobs. So here's this young dude, fairly fresh out of school, not even a year into his hopefully career, quote unquote. And then that kind of put me on a path of being able to climb the ladder fairly quickly in terms of opportunities being presented. And it wasn't necessarily on-air opportunities. It wasn't broadcast opportunities, but producing shows as a full-timer, a salary job at 22 years old, six months out of school. And getting my foot in the door at the fan then did open opportunities as it related to the Raptors because I'm a weird Canadian that as much as I loved hockey and I had the Wayne Gretzky posters and pictures and wallpaper and bed sheets and everything else, I also had Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson. And I grew up on the Showtime Lakers in the early 80s when I fell in love with basketball. It was the Lakers and it was the Showtime era. And I'm a bizarre Canadian that did not play hockey. Watched hockey, liked hockey, never played hockey. It was baseball and it was basketball. Like, I, I don't know if I was destined to be an American from the get-go, but hockey was not in the blood in terms of wanting to get on the ice and play. And then that passion for the sport, that interest in the sport in baseball and basketball, and as again, obviously, as it relates to the Raptors and my career and my path and et cetera, basketball stuck with me through high school into college and covering the men's team at Humber College, which a lot of people across the globe won't know Humber College. But if you're Canadian and if you're especially a Torontonian and you live in Ontario, Humber College was like the Duke of Canadian college basketball. The championship banners hanging in the rafters. I, I could tell you a side story very quickly of Pat Riley walking into the Humber College gym with the Miami Heat when Miami was practicing in Toronto. This is before the practice facility in TO where opposing teams would have to find gyms around Toronto. And Miami practicing at Humber College one day and Pat Riley walking in looking at the banners hanging in the rafters saying, hmm. This must be a hell of a program here. I want to meet the coach. And of course, he then tracked down Mike Cates, the legendary Coach K, the Canadian Coach K, wow. et cetera, et cetera. I'm, I, again, I'm, I'm going on a big time sidetrack here. But my time at Humber and covering the men's team and being around the sport still and then working for the school paper and studying journalism, that's what ultimately propelled me to have, I think, a little bit of foot of a door in the door of there's a major difference clearly between Canadian college and NBA. But when the Fan 590, after three years of the Raptors' existence, acquires the broadcast rights, and I'm now two and a half years into my career, and they're looking to put together a broadcast team, and they hire Chuck Swirsky, and they hire Jack Armstrong, and they bring them in as the new play-by-play -play voice and color voice of the team. That's when an opportunity is open for me. At 25 years old, we're going to bring you in as the co-host of the pre-half and post-game show. And after one year of being the co-host, I took over full-time, did that role for seven years. And when Chuck and Jack flipped to television, I moved into uh, the broadcast on a full-time basis. And I just wrapped up season 18 alongside Jonesy. So that's, again, the extreme like edited version of it. But it all started back as a kid just loving the sport. And then opportunity knocking and opportunity presenting itself. And had I graduated a year or two earlier, Dave, a year or two later or three or four years later, maybe I'm not in that little window in time where there's a brand new team that a lot of people aren't necessarily focusing on in a sport that a lot of people don't care about, but I do at a time where another sports station is starting, which opens up jobs, which opens up opportunities. It's just this little perfect window in time that I just don't know if it would exist right now. Like people have often said to me, and I don't say this arrogantly at all, like, oh, I'd love to do what you do. I love to look at what, how you, you know, got to where you are. And I, I'll be the first to admit I don't think you can. And that's not because you can't do what I do or you don't have the talent to do what I do. I think yeah. 
I think there was an element of luck in all this. And listen, at, at the end of the day, as the path goes on, luck will run out and skill has to become involved. And I don't think I'd be here long enough if bosses didn't like what I was doing, if the audience didn't like what I was doing, et cetera. But I'd be a fool to deny that there wasn't an element of right place, right time, and the stars aligning for me to just be in this perfect little moment in time. Well, listen, uh, that was a good that was a good recap. I, uh, Cliff Notes and Cole's Notes just called, and they said that's at least I think a three chapter. That's <laughs> that's a three parter of their of their version of that story. So that's good. That's great. Um, no, listen, I think it's exciting. You're right. I mean, right place, right time is listen. That's the way the world works to a certain extent. Yeah. But obviously, you got to have the substance uh, behind it at some stage too, which you clearly have done. Um, so that's awesome. So congrats, congrats on that, on that. Thank you. Thank it, is, you. it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, all right. Now listen, going back, let's dive in here to the raps. Okay. Uh, for a second. You kind of alluded to it in your open, uh, your opening. So you use the word poetic. I'm going to use frustrating at 41 and 41. Sure. Uh, because I think that's really from a, from a pure fans perspective. And this is where you may not agree with this. Um, but I, I think the organization, and this is why I'm saying fans, uh, fans are a little bit frustrated. I think the organization has backtracked a little bit on, hey, these are the expectations and you guys had them too high. So 41 and 41 is not that bad, but they weren't saying that at the beginning of the season, right? They came off a 48 win season last year. And I think everyone thought, you know, a second year of Scotty Barnes, uh, young core, everyone, you know, Pascal coming off a, um, you know, a third team all NBA season. I think the expectation was we're going to make a bit, another jump. Like we're going to, we're going to move up from 48 or at least not go backwards. And, I never heard Masai or anyone in the organization, Nick, at that time saying, hey, guys, hang on a second. Don't get ahead of yourselves. Uh, it was sort of like, yeah, I think everyone believed it was going to be an improvement on last year. And then, yeah, roller coaster season. Injuries obviously play a big part of it, uh, but we're no different than anybody else. I mean, the Raps had injuries like everybody else did. And in reality, we took it. We took a step backwards, uh, in my opinion, and it was it was more frustrating. Uh, mm -hmm. And I. You know, and I just think that led to, and like you said, I totally agree. What happened in the play-in game was an absolute, it was symbolic, a microcosm, whatever you want to call it, the season. Here we are looking great. Looking, you know what? There were so many times in the season where we looked good and I thought, geez, no one's going to want to play us in the first round. Yep. Yep. Because right? we're going to be a tough, scrappy team that no one's going to want to play to a team that can't close out uh, an 18-point lead in a playing game. So that's kind of where I'm coming at. I'm, 19, I'm, I'm 19. Interested in <laughs> I'm interested in your thoughts on, do you, do you think we took a step back this year? Uh, listen, at the end of the day, the, the easiest answer is just say yes, because listen, go back to, go back to like September, October. Now I I've known you long enough. I trust that you won't lie to me and you can trust that I'm not going to lie to you. I don't have the clip to I don't have the clip to play for you or to show you right now, but I promise you, um, at the beginning of the season when we were if we were doing this back in October and I did some of these preview podcasts and shows and whatever else, this is paraphrasing essentially what I said. I think the Raptors are somewhere in that five to seven range because I didn't see them as a top four team in the conference, but I did see them as a team that was right in that mix. I didn't think. If they were in the play-in, they were going to be in the 7-8, not the 9-10. But I figured, eh, probably 5-6. In my mind, like I was saying, they're a playoff team. Now, why were they a playoff team? Well, because they were a playoff team last year. They were knocking on the door of 50 wins. And they brought back the core and improved, I thought, improved the depth overall of the team. So that, to me, is a logical assumption or a logical prognostication to say, 
this team that was in the postseason last year that put a little bit of a scare, at least for a couple of games into Philadelphia before bowing out, they're going to be at least as good, if not better. And then what's better? And I, I honestly, I remember saying this too. I don't even care if the win total is less. It's about progressing. And progressing means at least win around. Even if you bout in round two, you've progressed. You're, you're trying to move along here. So by my own standards that I set at the beginning of the season, yeah, they didn't live up to my expectations. I think we all shouldn't be faulted for wanting or hoping or assuming that this team would be better based on what they were last year. I guess where we find a little bit of gray area, and maybe this is what you're talking about with whether it's Masai or Bobby Webster or Nick Nurse or, or the organization in general, maybe the gray area exists in what you talked about. Did we all, including them, perhaps, yeah. did we all set the bar a little bit too high based on just one season? Because we are, and, and, and I've had time to think about this. I said this to somebody else, I think even just in a, like just talking to a buddy over a beer a couple of weeks ago, um, like right as the season was ending. So not even a couple, a week ago. When you think about 2019 and the championship, Raptors come back the next year and they've got what? One of the top two records in the league. Top two, when, went to the bubble top three. Right. Third best record. Yeah. Third best record in the league when, when you go into the bubble. And listen, you go this close in game seven against Boston. Like could have, would have, should have, could have gone either way. But that's without Danny Green. That's without Kawhi Leonard. And you still rolled it back and you were among the best of the best in the league. Could they have repeated? Would they have gone at least to a conference final? I don't know. But they ultimately lost after a three, four month gap and went into the bubble and bowed out to Boston. The bubble was messed up for everybody. I don't know about you. I still don't even fully acknowledge. And on my deathbed, I don't know if I'll acknowledge. And this is coming from a guy that grew up a Laker fan. I don't know if I'm going to acknowledge the Laker championship in the it's bubble. Total the way, it's an asterisk the, title. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So then what happens? Now, okay, not only is Kawhi Leonard gone, Danny Green's gone, Serge Ibaka's gone, Marcus Gasol's gone, uh, Kyle Lowry's gone. We're talking about Norm Powell's gone. Six guys from the championship team are done. You have a season gone in Tampa where you're completely in a different country in a different city and you miss the playoffs for the first time in damn near a decade. You come back off that one season in a year where nobody wanted apparently Scotty Barnes, where Raptor fans were jumping off a cliff because they didn't take Jalen Suggs. Dude goes out and has a hell of a year, wins rookie of the year, and all of us go, they're back. Despite that they lost like 80% of their championship team, Yep. And it's a completely different squad. The Raptors are back just based on one season and Scotty Barnes and one playoff. And that's where the bar got set. So were we all right or were we all wrong in setting that bar? That's where I guess I'm letting them off the hook a little bit in that perhaps we have to take a step back from, you know, 30,000 feet and say, hold on a second. We are only, quote unquote, this summer now, four years removed from a championship. We're only a couple of years removed from having one of the top records. We're only two years removed from being out of the playoffs in a different city with a top five pick. And maybe this is the path where we need to take a little bit more time. I think the problem is when you add all of that up and then say, yeah, but, well, we got a major decision to make on Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, but we got a major decision to make on OG Ananobi, on Jakob Pertl, on a guy that's under contract in Pascal Siakam on Gary Trent. We have good players, but are these the right players to sign long-term that are the right fit? Or are we on a path where we're going to be right. 
a losing team for five years or something. And I think that's where the confusion starts coming in. I think. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's talk because there's there's a couple of things that I want to touch on because you're right. And I want to lead into where we're going to go here in the future, but what you just talked about and that evolution from 2019 to to where we are now. So hundred percent, we lost a, a major part of a championship team, right? We lost the core. Right? Even though we had the Pascal and Lowry and Fred, if you look at Fred's role in that championship team, like important, but not like Uber, but he was almost unplayable in the Philadelphia series. Right. So he was a piece. He wasn't a core guy. We move him into a core guy. But I think what, what, when I listen to that and it reminds me of like my issue with this squad all year, it's like, Hmm, roster construction, 2019. Look at that roster construction, right? We've got bigs. We've got shooting, right. And we have a stud, like you have a top, Sure. Know, arguably top five, but which is obviously key to anyone winning it. But if you take that concept of roster construction, what we had back then to what we've been trying to build the last two years, it's a very different construct, right? We don't have a bunch of bigs. We don't have a ton of shooting. We were, we are led to believe that this idea of the six, eight wing who can play all five positions is sort of the way of the future. And I'm not even disputing that. I'm not even disputing that that's not viable. However, couple of glaring holes for this squad, right? Bigs. We got, we got hurt on the boards quite a bit this year and depth at shooting, right? We didn't have consistent depth at long range shooting, which would appear to be in today's NBA. Uh, very, very important. So I guess my, my thought about that is, okay, yeah, I agree with everything you said. However, are we, are we now pointed in a path where we're, we're building a roster that can play in today's NBA and win around? And I don't know. Like, I'm, well, I struggle with that. You know, the, the, the best answer is, and you're not going to love it, but the best answer is I don't know either because I think that this conversation that we're having in the, you know, the middle of April is going to be a much different conversation if we have it again in three months when I make my fourth or fifth appearance. Uh, if we talk about what does this team look like on July 31st or on August 15th, because clearly it's going to be in a, a very long and very interesting offseason in terms of what the Raptors are going to do to – I don't know if they have to overhaul it, man, but there definitely are changes that need to be made. And and I'm wow. I'm not listen, I'm not I'm not saying I'm right, but I think that I'm okay with the length, the versatility, and even okay if you're giving up some of the rebounding, but there's no denying that the shooting needs to improve. That to me is the biggest issue of all is you need at least one, if not a couple more, if not a few more legitimate shooters that are thus going to help space the floor. They're going to open up the floor for Scotty. They're going to open up the floor for Pascal. I think it's going to help your rebounding overall because perhaps just again, spacing and, and, and where guys are and whatnot. I just think that's the biggest issue. And that to me, and I'm not trying to jump all over the place here, but it's kind of where my brain goes with how busy this offseason could be is your two best shooters. One of whom didn't necessarily have a great year shooting, but still is one of your two best shooters in my opinion are both free agents. Yep. Fred Van Vliet and Gary Trent. Is one back? Are both back? Are both gone? I don't know. So when well, we talk about shooting and that being perhaps, at least in my estimation, the the uh, biggest issue, that's a major issue if both of them are free agents and you don't know where you're going from there. So so yeah, listen, I you're, you're not wrong in the way you're assessing the issues that the Raptors had and perhaps why they struggled with their consistency for a good chunk of the year. All right. I sent you, um, I sent you yesterday and sort of like a, you know, here's what we're going to talk about. Uh, so, so be prepared. Um, 
Uh, we're going to go through a couple of, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I just want you to, you, you don't have to go, you can give me as much detail as you want, <laughs> but, um, and you can be um, as open or as cautious in your answers as you'd like as well. But here we go. In All your right. opinion, is it more likely we implode this roster or improve this roster going into the offseason? Yeah, you want one-word answers? <laughs> no, nope. I think give me one word with a, I think with a, I think improve. And I'll tell you why. I think improve because of the fact that, and again, I hate to keep saying it, but I feel like I'm gonna say it a few more times. This answer could completely change if we have this conversation again in three months, because I don't know what the offseason is truly gonna look like. But as of middle of April, I say improve. Why? Raptors don't have a first round pick next year. They well, do this year. Protected. No, but I'm saying, again, you could go out and acquire one or two or three or who knows, based on if you do completely blow it up. Yeah, you might be looking at acquiring multiple first round picks. But as it stands right now, you don't have a potentially a first round pick next year. So if you go into next year with an imploded roster that's completely been torn down and you have a, a record that's off the charts, not even close to being a playoff seed, in any capacity, when the dust settles, what do you have to show for it? Well, so that, so there was a there was a good dissertation by uh, Aaron Rose on this. Um, mm-hmm. He's been on the pod a couple of times. Uh, good dude. I trust him a little bit. But he was sort of telling like, but here are your options. If you want to keep that top six protected pick next year, the only way to do it is to implode, right? Like you just right. r- completely tear. You basically keep Scotty, and you're moving almost everything else. To maybe to maybe get your sixth round. So, but before we get too far down that path, quick question: Knowing what you know today, do you do the pearl trade? Mm, yes, yes, yeah. See, I don't. I mean, and I'll tell you why. Why I disagree with you on that one is because we were middling eight nine seed when we made the trade. Yep. And I don't know why we would give up an asset of a first round draft pick when Pearl's becoming a free agent next year, which maybe you get him in the free agent market anyway, because now we have to resign him. Um, mm-hmm. And unless you really believe that trade was going to make the jump to maybe the seventh seed uh, and get us into a first round, like I, I don't, again, this is in hindsight, even though I wasn't thrilled with it when it happened, because I didn't, I didn't see it making the, uh, a huge change to the dynamic. So I'm just like, we gave up a lot all of a sudden to be a play in team to now have, and I think with that, all that trade did now was create, more ambiguity as opposed to solidifying anything. So uh, listen, again, I I hear where you're coming from. I would say a couple of things to it. Um, You could make the case and hey, tell me I got rose colored glasses on, so be it, it's not the first time. But you could make the case that uh, even going into the final seven to 10 days of the season, you were in a position to not just be potentially chasing the seventh seed, you still were you know, sniffing at at least a knock on the door of the sixth seed. It was close. It was within, what, three and a half games at one point. Now, either way, though. What was in your glass when you were wearing those glasses? Either way, though, you were you were chasing down the seventh seed. Now, ultimately, it didn't happen. You finished the ninth seed. You're up 19. You lose the game. Would you be thinking differently right now if we were doing this chat with the Raptors in the first round against Milwaukee, whether they're down 0-2 or tied 1-1 or up 2-0? Would you be saying the same thing if they had made the postseason? Probably not, but the but – the point is we're not, and we weren't really close to it, right? But, my, but, so, but I guess my point back to you, though, is that if the Raptors go and face the Bucks in the round one and lose in four, five, six games, obviously much different case if they win. But if they bow out to the Bucks, are you saying, yep, yeah, still worth it because we got in even though we lost and we bowed out in round one? Like, to me, well, 
but I think I think the, the answer to that is probably yes, because there would have been like, all right, well, maybe this was the right roster construction piece that was needed to start the improvement process. Like if I could see a path to like, hey, we got better, right? Can, we got definitively better and there's a better path. And now it's like, okay, we got Pirtle and now we're going to add shooters in the off season and this okay. could be back. Then I'd be like, okay, but I'm just not convinced with the current roster. Right. But you also, happen. you also said to me and, and I'm, you know, saying this a little bit tongue in cheek. You also said to me 10 minutes ago, the biggest issues the Raptors had were size and shooting, rebounding, and shooting. They addressed the yeah. size and the rebounding. They didn't get the shooting. Now it came at a cost. Yes. But well, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Well, but no, but I'm saying they improved, but obviously not enough. And now did they give up too much to get that? Or like, will you change your tune if they re-sign him? Or are you going to say, ah, we could have just re-signed him anyways and not given up the, the no, piece? I, 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 will, I don't know. I will only change my tune if we re-sign him at a, a team reasonable contract. Okay. If we get into his position. We're like, oh shit, we have to re-sign this guy because if we don't, we're going to look ridiculous for trading for him. Right. And he gets a team unfriendly deal then i'll be like yeah i don't know if that was worth it so uh, that that to me is what concerns me now is that is management gonna sit there and go if we if we're going down the improved path then yep. it has to be resigned right he has to be resigned if we're going down the improved path and now are we are we going to overpay so that what the jury will play itself out on that one now let me give you just another quick little thing just very quickly all right the, the if if we're going to break down and it's always you know hard slash easy to look at hindsight 2020 on trades in any sport. But sure. the one that to me maybe stands out a little bit more if we're playing this, you know, 2020 hindsight oh, stuff there we go. is going back to Thad Young. Because oh. like I listen, I like Thad Young as a person, let alone as a player. And I think Thad Young proved his worth in the postseason last year with the way he played against Philadelphia, even in spite of the fact that the Raptors ultimately lost. I think he's been a great vet in the locker room and with the media and what he brings, all the intangibles, et cetera. But when you think about what you had to attach to Goran Dragic and trying to move him out of town and whatever else in order to bring back a quality piece in Thad, you also gave up a pick in that deal. That's the one that maybe, to me, stings a little bit more based on the fact that he ultimately didn't play a ton for you this year and didn't play down the stretch, et cetera. So that's just a very, very quick oh aside hey, to all of listen, that. So You don't have to convince me. I think San Antonio, they must have like some sort of like shrine built to the Raptors because of all the great stuff we do for them. Uh, well, I so, mean, yeah, they did, I, they did help I mean, us win a championship by making that deal with Kawhi yeah, Leonard. So, I mean, I, I agree. Uh, but we, <laughs> listen, they got a good deal on that one too. DeRozan had two, three really good years in San. They got a yeah, quality, yeah. but it's not like we, we didn't, uh, we didn't hose them in that deal. We definitely got the upper hand, but we did but I agree with you that, that Thad Young deal, when it happened, I was like, wow, it, that seems like we gave up a lot for Thad Young for not a, a core piece, like a, a, a nice piece. Right. And did, and you know, I listen, I'm a, if you listen to this pod, throughout the season i've always been a thad young apologist yeah. so I, I like him like I, I think he's i think he plays a role would i've given up a first round draft pick to get rid of i, I don't think i would have so yeah I, I agree with you and revisionist history is obviously it's very easy to go back and say oh that was a shitty trade or like so i i get it i'm not trying to be yep. too difficult on it all right listen we got to move on here because i got a plane to catch um, you're always going somewhere man i know I'm always going somewhere but quickly fred van fleet is he on the raptors roster in 2023-24 Again, as of middle of April, I'm saying yes, because I don't know who else is playing the point for this team. Unless you're fully handing the reins to Scotty Barnes and saying you're the new point forward and that's the direction. And even then, I don't know who your backup is, but I don't believe that the Raptors have somebody as of today that they can say, you're our guy for next year. Again, other than maybe Scotty Barnes. You'd be comfortable maxing Fred out? 
Because I think that's what's going to take to keep it. Uh, I'm wondering if it might not take a max. So maybe it's maybe it's higher money for fewer years as opposed to locking in max max. I don't know. I don't know. So, so but like I recently got now, right? Cuz he took a he took a 4 year with an option, right? So he, so he took less yeah. money over a shorter time. Yeah. So listen, if we do I that, just don't listen. I'm not I'm not prepared to hand the reins to Malachi Flynn at this great. point. Um and Delano Banton's not prepared for that yet. So you don't have a point guard on this team. So if you're saying to me that Fred and Bleet's not back because you don't want to pay the money or whatever, okay, so be it. Who's running this team next year? Who's the point guard? What does this team look like? So as of right now, I would still be going into the postseason saying, I want to sign Fred Van Vliet. I agree. If you're in the if you're in the uh, Eric Smith, we're improving uh, concept, then yeah, I think Fred comes back. Gary Trent is he in, is he in a Raptors uniform? Well, they need shooting, and he's arguably maybe their best shooter. So at the right price, yes, I'd like to see him back. OG Ananobi. Now let's, before I'm going to preface this a little bit, um, all kinds of rumors about him around the trade deadline. There was that apparently three first rounders, which I'm not necessarily, <laughs> believe, I don't think I believe that was ever the, the case. So let's forget about that for a second. Even if you want to improve, you cannot completely blow up this roster, but still make some moves. I'm going to make this easy for you. Okay. Can I cut you off? I'm sure. Cause we can go down every name on the list if you want. Well, we, but I'll say this. More. Well, no, but I'll throw them all into one lump sum. I don't know who's going, but I think someone will go because I think at the end, no, but hold on. The reason I say that is you just hit the nail on the head. If you're trying to improve this team, I don't think you can just say we're running it back with the exact same people and, uh, and then we'll try and tweak with free agents. I don't think that's the case. So whether it's a Fred sign and trade, whether it's, you know, a sign and trade involving Gary Trent, whether it's a blockbuster deal with Pascal Siakam, whether it's OG Ananobi, I don't think Scotty Barnes is going anywhere, even just based on his contract slot. I just think that one of, if not a couple of the bodies very easily could not be here next year, because if you are trying to improve, and again, I say improve, not implode. I don't think that you just come back with the same thing. You have to add to what you have. You have to tweak to what you have. And they had an entire season to evaluate all of that. And it's like, Listen, I used to say this all the time when we do the post-game show and people would call in, and not that you were doing this, creating all these fantasy trades. Oh, we should trade this guy for that guy. And da, da, da. Like, no, no, no. Like, because especially in the cap era where we get, get involved in the, and it's about money more than about people and everything else. I just think that we could sit here and create any number of scenarios. Are you trading that guy? Should we trade this guy? Was this on the table or that on the table? At the end of the day, if you want to improve, you have to give something to get something. So if you want to get something, it's going to come at a cost. Like as I've told the story before on other podcasts, just quickly, and I'm diverting a little I'm bit again. Sorry, on other podcasts? What? Oh, I, 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 I cheat just from time to time. Oh, okay. All right. We'll talk. They, about they pay, there. they pay more. They pay more. But so <laughs> I got into not trouble, but I, this is like the only time in my career this has ever happened. This is going back to the Vince Carter, Antonio Davis era. Jim LaBombard, the PR guy, great PR guy for the Raptors back in the day, comes up to me at the end of a practice one day, and he says, uh, hey, I got to talk to you. Said, oh, sure. Yeah, what's up? And he says, Mr. Davis would like to speak to you. Ooh. I said, Mr. Davis would like to speak. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Antonio wants to have a word with you. I was like, about what? And he's like, he heard some of the comments you were making on one of your shows, and he wants to talk to you. So, uh, okay. So I turn around from talking to Jim. I turn around. I 
pretty much walk right into Antonio's chest. He's standing right behind me. I had no idea. I'm like, thanks for the heads up, Jim. Stan Antonio's standing right there. And he says, I heard what you said. I'm like, what did I say? What, like, what are you talking about? You said that I should be traded and I should, I, they got to get rid of me and the Raptors shouldn't keep me on this team and that they're, you know, blah, blah, blah. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And again, long story short, long story short, one of the things that I said when somebody called in and it was, we need to improve this team. We need to get X, Y, Z. We need this. We need this. We need this. And it's like, okay, but what are you going to do to get that? You have to give something to get something. You're not, and again, obviously I proved to be wrong, but at least at the time that I said this, you're not trading Vince Carter because he's a core guy and he's a superstar and you're not dealing him at this time. At that time, the only other player of value that the Raptors had that could actually get something was Antonio Davis. Yeah. So my point was, if you're going to trade somebody and it's not Vince, who's left? Because you don't have much left on your roster that's going to truly be of value to give up to get back an impact player. So thus, by proxy, by default, I guess that means you're trading Antonio. I said, Tone, that's what I said. I didn't say trade Antonio. If anything, I'm complimenting you that you're the only other good player on this team that if the, de the deal is going to be made, if the team's going to make a trade, I guess by proxy, by default, you're the guy. So he kind of nods his head. He agrees. And that's to me where they're kind of at right now, Dave, is that if you want to improve this team and you want to bring in player X, player Y, player Z, not, and it's not necessarily via free agency, then you're going to have to give to get. So I don't know if it's OG. I don't know if it's Pascal. I don't know who it is. But I think you're going to have to give up a pretty significant piece to get back what you hope will be a significant piece. So listen, selfishly, sense? yeah, 100%. And I agree with you. And I'm glad. And I think you said it much more eloquently than I would have ever uh, envisioned saying it. So, and I agree with every. So yes, that's. And I'm glad to hear it because I think that's what has. If you're trying to not implode and get better, then there's going to have to be some changes. But can I just say to you selfishly that I hope in the very near future, because this will be a great sign for the pod. That the current PR guy says, uh, Eric, the starting five would like to speak with you because I heard <laughs> on Borderline Raptors that you said we can't run it back. I really hope <laughs> from a pod standpoint, I hope that is the breaking news. Yeah. So, uh, but I agree. With you. Yeah. I mean, 100 percent. Right. Like they have they cannot run this back because what? Listen, you could run it back if somehow you improve six, seven and eight with massive shooting and a well, totally different group. And, and here's, that's the only, but I don't think that's available. I don't. Here's the that. other. Here's the other reason why you could run it back potentially as well. You know, if we're trying to be fair, but looking at all sides, there is something to be said for. Listen, I think Masai Ujiri, I think Nick Nurse, I think Bobby Webster, you, me, I think most people would agree with what we said 30 minutes ago. They needed to improve their rebounding, and they certainly need to improve their shooting. So, can you do that by running it back? Maybe, maybe. But then I also look at it and go, all right. I th I'll use your own words off the top. Pascal Siaka, multi-time All-Star, multi-time All-NBA player. OG Ananobi, one of the best defenders in the league who improved his three-point shooting this year. Fred Van Vliet, former All-Star. All three of those guys, champions. I know OG didn't play much in the, in the championship, in the championship run even. Yep, Scotty right, Barnes, yeah. rookie of the year. Hopefully steadily improving where, along the way and where he goes. If Trent is back, the, maybe the best shooter on the team. Assuming Pirtle's back, big man, double-double you know, doing the dirty work, et cetera. You start looking at that and go, so this is a pretty good team. These are pretty good players. These are good individuals. Why were these guys? Why was Scotty Barnes mentioned an endless number of trade rumors last summer? Why was OG Ananobi this year, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent, Pascal Siakam? Because they're good players, because teams want them. Yeah. So is it yeah, about right. putting the right mix together, the right depth together? So you could easily run this back and expect to have improvement 
and internally improve. But then, yes, it's about the right tweaks and changes around them then because they are good players that are known and wanted commodities around the league. And that's a fact. All right, listen, I got to get out of here. Last question. All right. On that, on that concept, because that's, you know, I'm not ruling that out, uh, that that could end up happening and that we are somewhat handicapped from a salary cap perspective if we do that, do that. But that's a whole lot. That'll be a conversation for another day if we go down that. Can I give you another quick 10 seconds? Because I know you got to go. I also yeah. think there's a good reason to think that they're running it back based on the fact that we know that in certain price ranges, maybe not across the board, but in certain price ranges, the Raptors have raised season six, season tickets 20% for next year. I think you that. To, you don't have to tell me it, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the kitchen and I are aware. Yeah. So am I. Uh, um, and yes, by the way, I pay for season seats, folks. I don't have yeah, tickets in my deal. Right, I pay right, for season go. seats. So, um, anyways. Listen, last question. Nick Nurse, speaking of running it back. So he, he has that press conference, which I must admit, I was really caught off guard by it. Really, really caught off guard because I didn't think he would, I didn't think he was going to go down that path. Uh, I thought he was a, maybe like, I don't want to say more season because that's taking, I'm not taking a shot at him. I was just surprised at his delivery of that. But based on that press conference and how the season ended, I'm surprised we haven't heard anything yet. Do you think Nick Nurse is back on this team uh, in charge? I think there's a greater chance that he's back than that he's gone. Again, based on the finances of it all. And here's the other thing too. And, and, and you and I both have a mutual friend in Jacko. And I, I know he said it recently. I think he said it on the air as well. Um, I would consider Nick Nurse, when I look at his career as a coach, not just as a head coach, but then if we break it down and specifically as a head coach in the last you know five years or so, when we look at Nick Nurse as a coach, is he among the top 10, top five coaches in the league? I would put him in the top five. I don't think I want to get rid of a top five coach. Now, and again, we can sit here and argue semantics. You you nodded at top ten. You hemmed and hawed at top no, five. No, I, but what, I, either I, way, I just, either I, way, if he's would... go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say either way, if you look at it and say he's among the best coaches in the league, and you're trying to build a program around him that was, I think, by most people's standards, a pretty good program and a pretty good path until this year. Now, is it all on Nick? Is it all on the players? Is it all on management or are we slicing up that pie where everybody gets a little bit of a slice and a little bit of the blame for things maybe not unfolding? So I would oh, say, and then even the finances of, do I want to pay a guy $8 million to not coach the team? I would say you're better staying with your core and keeping a guy like Nick around because he didn't just become an idiot overnight. And if Nick Nurse was gone tomorrow, he'd be hired by another team within a week or less and coaching yeah. somewhere else. So if you've got a good coach that's well-respected, then... I think it's not about necessarily his philosophy or his message. It's about making sure that the team is completely on the same page and on the same track and everything else. I, I, I'd, I'd like to see Nick back. But simply put, I'd like to see Listen, Nick back. I love Nick. Uh, I love Nick. Uh, I always have. The only thing I would say in watching it close up, um, like we have a few times this year, um, body language is a little different. A little more exasperation than usual. Uh, and then the only thing I would question is, does he still have that the ear of that locker room with the core guys? Are the core guys still buying? I think Fred is. I think Fred and, and, and Nick have a pretty tight relationship. At least that's just from a body language perspective. Um, but I, I don't know. I know they all talked very highly of him after, after the season, right? And they all said they want him back. Like, I get, however, it, I'm just telling you from the eye test, it wasn't always apparent 
that they were that everyone was bought in. So listen, we that we could debate that for for hours, uh, but that's the only thing I'd say. But yeah, I'll be listen. I, I must admit, as soon as he had that com- press conference, I thought, well, he's got that's that was his. Are you talking about the end of the season or the one where he made the comments? The one with like I don't know seven games left in the season. Where he See now, the, the only thing I would say to that, I'm, I'm listen. He's a grown man. He can you know he can stand on his own feet and 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 give his own explanations. But he didn't give a press conference, right? That was that was a pre-game availability yeah, where a yeah, reporter yeah. asked him a question. Now, if you believe, and listen, I got no reason to not believe him. If you believe his explanation of why he gave that answer, that was him trying to. And listen, Dave, I've been around enough to see it as well. I understand where Nick was coming from. He says, the reason I gave that answer was to hopefully just put it to bed. I've answered you honestly. I'm going to evaluate things in the offseason. I've heard a lot of the chatter, and let's just kind of focus on the last couple of weeks. At the end of the day, nuts and bolts, that's pretty much what he said. I want to talk about listen, But, but the reason I say know, that, though. But Eric, you no, had to know that I, listen, would lead to more questions. 100%. But this is the problem. And I'm listen, I'm part of it. I Hopefully, I'm not as bad of a part of it, as much of a part of it as a team broadcaster and not like somebody that's there on the beat every single day. You're in a no-win situation because if he doesn't answer the question, the story, if it's even a story, is not going away because that same reporter or hundreds of reporters are still going to ask variations of that same question over and over. If he answers it honestly, there's people on podcasts still talking about it three weeks later, even though he gave an honest answer. If he kind of gives half truth and sort of talks around it, it's still being talked about it. And listen, I've seen it time and time again. I'm just making up a story here. Let's pretend we're back in uh, December. Something happens with Fred Van Vliet. He makes his comments about the officials. He comes out and is beyond honest. What do you think is happening when the Raptors go on a seven-game West Coast road trip? Every single city he goes to, Fred Van Vliet is a new face to every single one of those reporters and members of the media in those respective cities. So you said your piece, you got it off your chest, you were totally honest, you've dealt with the Toronto reporters and the Toronto media, but every single time you step into a city, there's going to be somebody like, hey, those comments that you made about, hey, that thing you said about, and the story never goes away. It's always there. So what do you do then? That's the world we live in. Right. right. So like, I, do, I do appreciate that. I was just, again, I, I just was a little caught off guard. I think he had to know. I, I just, listen, I don't, even say, I don't even want to put words in his mouth. I just felt like he was delivering a, a, a subliminal message in that as well. I don't think it was just about him answering. I think it was like, there was something more, to, I think, and I was 100% wrong. It's pure conjecture. I just think there was another message there. But listen, I got to run. You got to go. Wait, I've already kept you longer than I was going to. Let's agree to do this. Let's see the offseason shakeout. We'll get you back on after that. Uh, just well, A after, fifth after, time? After, oh, after my God. Agency, after free agency, uh, after the draft, let's see where we're at. And we'll, you know what? We'll see if uh, the Eric Smith improve uh, concept or uh, philosophy is what's in play. All right. Sounds good, man. All right, dude, listen, thanks. Appreciate right. it. Uh, and we will uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, safe travels. All right, man. Kawhi up top. Looks at the clock. Turns the corner for the win.